good morning. Today is Tuesday, April 2nd, 2020. My name's Keith. I'm the worship pastor at Green Acres Baptist Church in Athens, Georgia. Thank you for joining me today. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could We've been talking about the three tests that Jesus went through in his wilderness journey. Today, we'll finish by reading and thinking about the last test that Jesus went through. So this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11 that I'm reading. Listen closely. It says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So this last test is a culmination of the previous two, and also I think the most subtle of all three tests of the devil, even though it may seem like the most explicit, uh, most explicitly wrong. This one especially, I think, is intended to be a profound commentary on the tests that we all go through. This particular test is the temptation for Jesus to give in to his heart's desire. Now, don't be thrown off by the fact that the devil is, as a character in this story, already implies some sort of debauchery going on in the scene. This test actually provides one of the most challenging temptations that we as humans experience. Without diving too deep into speculation, I think it's safe to assume that the readers of Matthew's account of the gospel, that would be us included, know that Jesus is being presented as both Israel's true king and also as the fulfillment of this whole storyline, Israel's purpose to bring all nations into the blessing that God gave Abraham at the very beginning. As this as this messianic figure, we know that the end game here is that Jesus now and becomes through his own story, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He gets exactly what the devil is tempting him with right here. This temptation is a little bit of foreshadowing to the end of the story, but also profound commentary on how Jesus actually gets to that point in the story. But we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. For today, think about this familiar motif that we find in all sorts of Western media. It's the the motif of making a deal with the devil. From the movie Ghost Rider to the novel The Devil's Elixir to the Christmas movie Jack Frost to the popular song The Devil Went Down to Georgia, the motif of some character making a deal with the devil for some sort of gain or avoidance of pain in popular and in ancient literature all the way up to this present um, is the is the same storyline that we're seeing here, the same motif. And this is exactly what's going on here in this third test. Jesus is being tempted to make a deal with the devil, if you will, that involves him gaining what is supposed to be in his in the end, but in a much easier and a faster way, actually. This test for Jesus is really about bypassing what could be God's plan even if not realizing he's actually bypassing God's plan. Notice how the devil frames the temptation. He's going to give Jesus 
what is the end goal, what Jesus knows this is all working towards. Think about it. Jesus has read the Psalms, the writings of the prophets. He knows that as the Messiah, this is the end game, that all the nations would bow down to him. It would make total sense that the tempter would think that Jesus could see this path that he's offering as the path the Father was actually leading him down. But Jesus knows better. He says and can teach us that the Father's plans cannot be described in any way as the easy way. The test is really a temptation to think that God's plans are not best because God's plans are hard. It is a test where you will be tempted with things that look shiny, easy, and maybe even a little like common sense for one whose goal is to reach the end as quickly, easily, and effortlessly as possible. These distractions, though, will only knock you off course. We're all walking through a wilderness right now with COVID-19. We're all walking through various wilderness experiences all the time even. And the Lord is asking us in these experiences to be patient and full of fidelity as we walk forward, as we press in to the hard times with hope, knowing that God is with us. The invitation then, as we've been saying over and over again, is to press in to the hard times. Because the hard path is the only way the Father actually works. There are no get-rich schemes, no shortcuts, no easy paths to our ultimate goal of Christ-likeness and union with God. God's plan for us is that we will move in ways that are challenging, but will ultimately change who you become to be more like Christ. It's counterintuitive, but the good life only comes from the hard path that is God's plan. I know that doesn't have a whole lot of meat yet, and I obviously I don't have a whole lot of time to defend that point, that God's path is the hard path. Um, but, but if you have any doubts, I challenge you to read the Sermon on the Mount, maybe the Beatitudes again, and look and see if that's what Jesus is talking about there or could be. The devil is telling you, he's telling all of us, that we can have the easy life, splendor, success, and significance, and you can serve God the whole time. And that's just not true. In his commentary on Luke, uh, Norval Glender, Glender Hughes, I don't think I said his last name right, you can look it up, but he says, the devil knows that Jesus came to the world, uh, Jesus came to the world to found the Messianic kingdom and to be the head thereof. But he declares that if only Jesus will worship him, he will give him all the nations of the world with all their glory. So he proposes that Jesus should found the Messianic kingdom by making a compromise with him. Then he will be able to achieve his aim and without any struggle or suffering. Man, the temptation is to think that we can have the good life with God without pain and without suffering. But be reminded of the question that Jesus asks us in Matthew 16, 26, when he says, or when he asks us, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? yet forfeits his soul. And there are four things to be aware of, uh, things that, um, that we're being asked to compromise, that God has not promised us, things like super results, or maybe you've heard the phrase, follow these methods and you'll get this result, or in five easy steps you can reach this point, or whatever, these super results, or maybe, or maybe number two, the idea of instant results, that we can have things right now. Number three, recognition and importance. Phrases like, you may hear these types of things in church even, like be significant for God or, or be somebody, make something of yourself in this world. 
things like that. And then the fourth idea just to be aware of and and the things that God has not promised us is the idea of not suffering, thinking that we can actually go through life with only comfort and with only ease. So I, I can't wrap a tight little bow on these temptations or, or this, this one in particular and just hand it to you. That's not the purpose of these devotions. My encouragement is to go back and read these temptations yourself and ask yourself, how is the tempter testing you in your work life, in your relationship with your boss and coworkers maybe? in your parent life as a mom or a dad or as a husband or a wife, for all of us in our relationship with our friends, neighbors, and families, kids and teenagers, maybe your relationship with your parents or your friends, the people you go to school with, or your siblings, and ultimately for all of us in our relationship with Christ. Remember, this good life that I keep talking about is not an easy life. It's marked by deserts, tests, pain, suffering, and ultimately we're going to see from Jesus' example, death. But we have hope. The one who walked this path before us defeated sin, death, and the tempter once and for all, and wants to bring us into that victory as well in the resurrection. But I don't want to get ahead of myself too much as we lead into Holy Week and Easter next week. So to finish our time together, let me read from Psalm chapter 2 which the church has traditionally understood to be speaking of Jesus as the Son of God to finish our time together this morning. So this is Psalm chapter 2, reading from the NIV version. It says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth will rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son today. I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron you will dash them in pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead you to destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So my question for you today, as you go into your workday or get ready for your evening or or whatever it is you have going on today, is what does it mean for you to live a life of fearing the Lord more than looking for the easy way? What does it look like to serve the Lord with fear rather than serve the Lord with ease?